Hello and welcome to Movement, the weekly podcast for South Aussie Baptists to listen and imagine together. Each fortnight, we interview a leader from within our movement and then ask them to share one of their recent sermons with us the following week. So I'm excited to be back here again with Pastor Don Haywood from Aboriginal Berean Community Church. And last episode, we had a fantastic yarn uh, and learnt lots about you, Uncle Don, and your story and about uh, your passion and your heart and the work that you do in the uh, Aboriginal community across, across our movement, but also across our state with many, many people. And today we have the opportunity to hear a talk that you gave, a GodX talk, as part of the 4D Leadership Conference. Yep. And uh, in my view, this um, talk that you gave is a powerful challenge and an encouragement to us as followers of Jesus. And I just want to give you a chance before people listen to it together, is there, is there anything you want them to have in their minds as they listen to this talk? You know, I've, I've, always, I've always believed that reconciliation, true reconciliation can happen in the church. Mm. That's the only entity in this world, really, because we are equal in Christ. Mm. So that's the foundation we come from, is one of equality. Mm. And the second part of it is that when, and I mentioned it about, you know, God's, if we experience God's love, then we we can have this great capacity to love one another. But there are so many things we have to consider around what can stop that from happening. We have the capacity to do it, but we have to look at some of the things that will hinder us from doing that. And so this this talk that I did at the GodX, or the GodX talk, was to really try and define, in a nutshell, one of the biggest challenges, and that is that all of us have biases and prejudices that we either recognise or we don't, but we have to become a little bit more sensitive to what they are, because if you don't, then they certainly can stop the relationship God wants us to have okay. in, in Christ. All right. So we'll hold that in our minds. We're going to have a listen now to this talk. And um, because it's a shorter talk and we didn't give you enough time that day to say everything you might have wanted to say, we're going to have a little yarn afterwards. Yep. Uh, but let's listen to that talk together now. First of all, as a Noongar man, from the southwest corner of Western Australia, from the Goring language group. Um, I'd like to thank you for inviting me to come and speak to the leaders today. I also want to acknowledge Rosalind Coleman, who gave the Ghana welcome, which is the land we speak on today, and also her husband, Basil Coleman, who are both leaders within the Aboriginal Brian Community Church and also leaders within this state of ours in South Australia. I spent 33 years on trying to improve relationships between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people. And it's only recently I've come to a conclusion. And the conclusion is the greatest threat to improve relationships between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people is a term which I have chosen to call the default position. 
Now, the default position is that there are those that choose to hold onto their bias and their prejudice, even in spite of the evidence. And they are very hard nuts to crack, very difficult to work with. There are also those who have challenged their bias or prejudice and have returned to the default position without further thought or investigation to something they've heard from someone or experienced or read. And I think we do this a lot more than we realise. Jumping to conclusions, reigniting their own biases and prejudices. I want to give two examples. The first example is a non-Aboriginal man came to me in my house and he said, Don, how do we learn to get on with each other? I said to him, go and learn the true history of this country. He came back after a few months and was in tears. And he said, Don, I didn't realise. I'm so sorry for what happened in this country. And I said to them, now you and I can begin this journey. He became one of my great advocates in breaking down the relationships or strengthening the relationships between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people. But recently, I read a statement made by him supporting one Aboriginal person's thought, which was against the many other Aboriginal voices in this country. And I thought to myself, has this man learnt nothing? And then I realised we are all similar to this man. We can so easily return to that default position. The second example I have was we've been travelling as a church, an independent church, for many, many years. And as all the challenges faced us as an Aboriginal church, we knew we could no longer travel alone. So we wanted to partner with a denomination or an organisation that would travel with us. And God opened the door for us to have a meeting with the Baptist Church's SA. And I remember after that first meeting, we were travelling home in the car, and we went straight to the default position. <laughs> we said, here we go again. All words, no action. After our first meeting. <laughs> and then we had to challenge that default position. We had to challenge our bias and prejudice and say, no, wait a minute. This is our first meeting. And we've had many meetings since. We are now a part of the movement of the Baptist Church's SA. And the truth, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be here today. And I look forward to the relationship that the Aboriginal Berean Community Church will have with not only the Baptist Church's SA, but all the Baptist churches that are in that membership. A little statement that I want to say is, if we are willing to work 
through our biases and prejudices and come to an agreement that what is of value to you is important and what is of value to me is important, if we can sustain that in the development of our relationships, they will only get stronger. And I want to um, say this verse in John 13, verse 35. It says, Jesus said, By this all people will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. We have the great capacity to love each other in the context of the church. But the one thing I can guarantee you, if you and I take the default position, we will never truly love each other as God has asked us to do. And you know, I regularly pray to God and I say to God, you have asked us to do something which is near impossible. And that is for Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people to love each other. But every now and again, God gives us a glimpse of this possibility. I was sitting in my lounge and my wife came into my lounge. He said, put on a shirt. <laughs> There's a fella at the front door. And I said, which fella? <laughs> she said, a white fella. <laughs> so I put the shirt on. And went out to the door. And this non-Aboriginal man and his family gave me a card, flowers, and a heap of donuts. <laughs> and I said to my daughter after, I said to my daughter after she read the card, and I asked her, I said, what does this tell you about this family? And she said, Dad, two things. One is they respect you and they love you. Wow. See, more than a word, love requires action. And the question I'm going to leave and I'm look for you and myself is can you love me as that family loves me? Can I love you as that family loves me? Because we have the capacity to do it. But be careful of that default position. Thank you. Don, I, I'm still encouraged, challenged, inspired by your words. I feel like there was real power and actually a word for our movement that day and maybe in this season that we um, are in together. Now, is there anything you want to say to build on what you, what you said in that talk? You know, I, I, um, and, and I've had to work towards this over a long period of time is quite often what we do is we blame, blame others if something doesn't significantly change. So we always say, well, I think that's the, the fault of the people that we're trying to present our case to or speak about some of the things that impact us. But what we have to realise is also we have to look within ourselves and see if there's anything within us that is stopping us from becoming the person that God wants us to be in this relationship. And if we are truthful, that, that's, that's the key. If we are truthful, then we'll find it. But if we don't, if we're not truthful with ourselves, then we'll keep looking to others as 
them being the cause of why we don't have this relationship that God wants us to have. Yeah, it's just a powerful reminder to us, and I just love the way that you owned it for yourself as well, of just how easily we, you know, our own worldviews, our own upbringing, our default position, and just love that phrase, can colour the way we understand um, our world, relationships, connecting with one another. In, in the talk, one of the stories you told was telling, telling a friend of yours to go and understand the history of our country. I just think that's so important. I agree with you that we can't understand fully where things are at now if we don't understand where we've come from together over the last couple of centuries. And I think that's a really key and helpful early step in, in, this, in this relationship. Um, what, what else would you add to that for people, particularly followers of Jesus, in terms of learning together, walking together? Yeah, and, and, I, and I did. I did. I, he, he did come to my house and I, and I did say to him, you know, if you want to travel this journey with me as, a, as an Aboriginal person and you being a non-Aboriginal person, is you need to know the truth, the truth of the history of this country. And I always say to people now, ignorance can no longer be an excuse because yeah. there's just so much information that's, that's written about the truth, especially relating to Aboriginal, non-Aboriginal relationship in this land. Mm. So that's always been my starting point. And even if I don't have a lot of time with people, I will try and share some of those things with them. You know, in the end, it's sort of up to people whether they want to want to pursue it or find out more. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that everyone that I speak to about this goes and does that. Mm. There are people who will listen and say, well, you know, accept it as something that might be the case and not do anything further than that. And so it, it doesn't mean that every time I talk to someone, I'm going to get the same response. Mm. And it does, it does frustrate the living daylights out of me <laughs> when people will have their own particular views about it and not challenge their own. It's a very difficult relationship to try and work through. There's got to be some response to that and knowing that if, if that is important for us as Aboriginal people that you find out the, the true history of this country, then that's critical you know, for us to move forward. But if you don't have that, then obviously it's, it's, it's coming from your understanding, which is not necessarily that, do you know what I mean? And so it makes it very, very difficult to travel that walk. Yeah. I'm thinking that some people who are listening might be, might be going, well, uh, maybe I've still got some things to unlearn about my own prejudice and bias, my default position, uh, but I really want to move forward as well in this, in this relationship and maybe our church might be ready to journey with the Aboriginal Berean Community Church in a newer, different way for, for where we're at now. What, what could that look like? In the last episode, you talked about investment and partnership. Yep. Can you unpack that a little bit more and, and help us to understand and what our movement can do or our local churches yeah. can be part of to share in this journey together and learn together with you? Yeah. Well, we had, we had um, just to give an example, Grange Baptist Church rang us up and said they wanted to know a bit of history around the Port Adelaide area. So there, Nani Pat, who knows a lot about the history, <laughs> said to them, well, let's organise a bus and 
Then they organised a bus and a couple of cars and travelled around and only Pat showed them the history. Now, they didn't have a clue. They did not have a clue. But once they began to understand the history, they said, well, we never knew. We never knew. So it, it, it gets them to sort of rethink about the history of this area, knowing that, you know, there, are, there is a Ghana history as well and what that might entail. And obviously Annie Pat would have talked to them about that. So it's, uh, it's the opportunities we can get to travel together in, in learning about that history. When we talk about investment, we talk about our capacity as a church. So we're not a you know, highly funded church or we don't have a lot of income and those sorts of things. So we look at you know, what financial support churches might be able to provide so we can build our capacity to be able to respond to what's happening in the Aboriginal community. Just a simple thing of funding a, a pastor or, or funding positions or having money that we can do things um, and invite communities in can, can make a huge, huge difference. And it doesn't have to be a lot. You know, it doesn't really have to be a lot of money, but it's, it's just one of the things that we do struggle with financially. But the other one is the investment of people's time. So, you know, create opportunities where people can come. We've sort of always said to people, you know, if, you, if you're wanting to tell us, come down and visit the church. Mm. And we always have a, like a cup of tea afterwards, COVID style. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. 5.30 on a Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon yeah. at 5.30. Yeah. Yeah. But after the service, yeah. just sit down. You know, like just sitting mm. together, it, it, there's something pretty special that happens. Yeah. You know, I remember I went to one church and this lady um, said, oh, can I hug you? You know, like it was a, and so she hugged me and she started crying. Mm. And she's, and I said, oh, I don't think at all. What have I done? Yeah. <laughs> but she said, you're the first Aboriginal person I've hugged in 60 years of my life. Wow. And I'm thinking, you can't, you can't buy that. That mm. just, that just, it, we created the opportunity for that and then it happened. And that is just, yeah. Uh, you know, so there, there is that incredible potential we can have in, the, in strengthening our relationships, just being in present company with each other. Mm. You know, you don't have to say a lot. You just be there. Mm. Um, being there, I think that's, that's one of the crucial keys to this ongoing relationship. And, you know, there's not a lot of us, there's, you know, like there'd be could up to 60 Aboriginal people within the church. But we also create opportunity for people in the churches to also be connected with what's happening in the community. Yeah. So I've always talked about NAIDOC Week. I've yeah. always talked about Reconciliation Week. You know, my heart's desire is that one day uh, a lot of the people from the church would march with us yeah. from... Victoria Square down to Parliament House, uh, side by side with the Aboriginal community. Because when they get to Parliament House, they talk about some of the issues that affect them, you know, and so, and then there are things where people can either inquire of how they can support that, or, you know, we, uh, I know at church we pray. But it might give us further insight into some of the challenges we face as, as an Aboriginal community. Yeah. 
you, you finished your talk with a really powerful story of a fairly simple but practical act of love and respect. Yep. And I just think that's a huge encouragement to, um, to me, to our churches, that it doesn't take much. No. Like you say, coming, being, being there in March, <laughs> I can hear it in your voice, just that yeah. what that would do for you and in your encouragement and Aboriginal community and the story of, of life together. Oh, I want to give you a chance, Uncle Don, to have the final word, but I want to say thank you. Thank you yep. for sharing over last episode and this one, your story, your heart with us. Uh, thank you for being patient with me and with us as we continue to learn, as we uh, unlearn our default position. And we really look forward to what might happen next by the grace of God and the transforming power of Christ. But I want to give you a chance just to share with us anything else that you might want to encourage or inspire in us. Yeah, look, and I've, I've spoken to, um, you know, we. I remember the first time we we connected with the Baptist churches, SAN. Was uh, I reckon one of your assembly meetings? Is that what you call it? Like, um, and we got up, and one of the things we said is that this, this is a God-given opportunity. So we can't let it slip, can't let it slide, and so because we haven't, we're now starting to see what God is doing in the context of the Aboriginal Church and the non-Aboriginal churches within the Baptist churches, SA, but the individuals within those churches and what God is doing. I, I've, I've always been a believer that the you can't impact everyone all the time, but if, you can, if God can uh, impact the lives of some people who are very influential, who, who impact the lives of many other people's, we'll get that ripple effect and that if we can sustain and hold dearly to what I call as a God-given privilege because God has got a lot of work to do yet and he's got a lot more things to show us in this journey that we travel with the Baptist Church's movement. Thanks, Uncle Don. No, it's, thank you. Thank you, Elliot. Thanks for listening to Movement Today. If you enjoyed this show, then please take a second to give us five stars, tap subscribe and tell a friend. We are available wherever you get your pods. Season two of Movement is hosted and produced by the team at Baptist Churches of SA. We'll be back next week with another special guest.